so that we don't lose any of the good stuff. It's all going to be good stuff. I don't know. What <laughs> like the problem is going to be the embarrassment of riches that you have from Michelle and me. Like this, this is going to be a two-hour podcast because you're not going to want to cut any of it. Let's be honest. Well, despite what my guest said, I did manage to cut some things so that you weren't going to be here too long. Anyway, you're going to get to know these voices you just heard quite well in the next 40 minutes or so. Those are my guests today, but let's begin. My name is Rebecca Haas, and I'm the Director of Community Engagement for Pacific Opera Victoria, and this is the Listening Party Podcast. The podcast welcomes artists to tell stories about music and art making and life as a way to connect us all. It has an accompanying playlist with diverse music chosen by the guests, and each one of those is accompanied by liner notes, where the guests offer stories about how that music played a role in their life. If you're new to the podcast, I encourage you to go back in time to earlier episodes and check out those Spotify playlists. You'll find some great music, and in the liner notes, you'll find some more terrific stories. This week's guests are composer Jeffrey Ryan and poet Michelle Poiré-Brown. They both have been hard at work in the last few months on a brand new song cycle commissioned by Pacific Opera for tenor Colin Ainsworth. They had such great energy together and our conversation was many things, uh, funny, moving, honest, and sometimes difficult. Before we get into the nuts and bolts of creating a new song cycle, we started out by talking about the pandemic and its impact. Commissioning a new work is always a bright spot for an opera company because what can be better than supporting artists to make new work? But in this time of COVID, every project means so much more. The pandemic has been brutal for singers, composers, musicians, the artists that perform and make the art we love to witness. And it's not just in paychecks. But what also has been very difficult is the inspiration or the opportunity to create. Jeffrey Ryan is a very successful Canadian composer who has been severely impacted by COVID-19 and the postponements it meant for him across the board. As we laughed and enjoyed talking about this new work that Pacific Opera commissioned, he reflected on the dark time he went through as COVID took hold. Um, I was on my, my way to the airport to go to Calgary for a concert when everything shut down and it was mayhem at the at the uh, at the airport and um the concert that i was going to was cancelled and then you think okay well, well we'll see what happens with the april concerts and then the april concerts are gone so well, let's see what happens with that you know the bc choir federation has that big thing at the end of may oh well, fingers crossed for that surely that'll still happen nope and then um you know then the summer festivals we're gone and and when the 2021 seasons got cancelled uh that just sent me into a tailspin and i just i worried about my own career and the career of every single friend and colleague that i know if you look around the opera world a year after the pandemic began you can see companies finding ways to support artists and that includes new commissions like this one by Pacific Opera. This commission came at an important time for Jeffrey, who depends on this for his livelihood, but also for Michelle Poiré-Brown. Michelle is a Cree Métis poet who's finding great success in her work, but had never engaged in this process, turning her poetry into music. 
Both of these people are my friends. Michelle and I met through the Métis community locally, and Jeffrey is my friend from university days. So how did this all come to be? Well, it started with a conversation that I had with Jeffrey when he told me he couldn't find the poetry he wanted for this commission for Colin. He had it in his mind. He wanted a female poet. And he also wanted a Canadian poet. But nothing he was finding was resonating. My friend Michelle came to my mind instantly. As a singer, I've been involved in many new works, and I have a great deal of respect for the relationship between the librettist, or poet, and the composer. I know that it's crucial that they click, that they respect each other, that they like each other. I hesitated. I was afraid to set my friends up. I found myself in the role of matchmaker. I mean, what if they don't like each other? When you went to my website, Jeffrey, and you had your ping or ding or It's, it's or... a ding, not a ping. It's a ding. ding. Ping is something different. This is the ding. This is the ding. It's the inner ding. The inner ding is a wonderful thing. And when Rebecca mentioned you and sent me a link to your website to get a sense of, here are a few things that Michelle has written. And I had a look through and I clicked on absolutely everything that I could find. And honestly, it, it really is, it is this physical sensation of a ding vibrating in your head and and in your body um you know it was it was my partner pascal that that introduced me to the concept of the inner ding and it's the kind of thing where you know if you're looking for an apartment you can look at a bunch of apartments and then you walk into one and you just know that it's the apartment that you're going to take right or you walk into you go to a bunch of schools because you're looking to figure out where you want to study and you walk into a particular building and you know, you just know. That kind of thing has happened to me all through my life. When I went to your website, I looked through and, and I just, I, I felt it immediately. And, and then it was just a matter of, uh, get me more, get me more stuff to read. I love this, the inner ding. It turned out they both loved each other's work so much that in this interview, I had trouble getting a word in edgewise. Jeff felt the ding as he read Michelle's poetry. And when this partnership began, they engaged in many long conversations. Their admiration for each other is obvious. Jeff picks up the story and shares how the process unfolded. You conveniently, like I said, you, you sent me everything. And so I printed everything up and I've made myself a book. The, the collected works of Michelle Poirier Brown. And I, I took it with me to, to Fergus, Ontario, because we were spending a week with my parents to kind of help take care of them a little bit and give my, my brother a break. Um, and, and that was time well spent. And I, I had that as, as my, my reading assignment and just going through everything, every single poem that you wrote. And it's wonderful to look at so much work from a single poet because the, the, there are similarities in the voice that are in all the poems, but every poem can evoke something different. And some poems, uh, this is this is true of, of every poet, some poems to me will immediately suggest music. Some poems will immediately suggest, I would set that this way. And some poems 
are beautiful and don't suggest music, you know? So I just kind of made a, a long list of, of what spoke music to me to give us something to start from. But originally we weren't sure, remember, that um, we might, it might be for brand new poems or it might be for existing poems or it might be a couple of existing poems and a couple of new ones and because you and I had had uh, quite a, lo a long conversation and multiple conversations about what ideas might be in new poems and in fact you started to write some some new things that that we talked about. Well, I was trying to create new stuff and oddly did not work and it was not for want of trying. Mm -hmm. Jeffrey and I went to the um, bird sanctuary down at the oceanfront every day for a week. That was in your head. <laughs> Distanced in, in two separate cities. Two completely separate cities. But I just, I did feel like I went with a companion and I did the normal thing. I, I waited. Um, yeah. And it, it wasn't, I sought guidance from an elder, said, I don't feel like I'm going to the, the water in the right way. It's not working. Um, and he said, you're right, <laughs> you're not. And he, he gave me some guidance and that going in that way wasn't at that time within my grasp. I didn't know quite how to do that. So it's a bit like the poetry was not quite within my grasp. What we were wanting was, um, you know, and the starting point was so difficult. It was about hope, <laughs> really. Yeah, me, no. Yes, hope. Now is probably a good time to tell you a little bit about the commission. Colin Ainsworth, a really wonderful tenor, has worked with Pacific Opera many times. He got in touch about a recital idea he had. He wanted to create a program that reflected the pandemic, but not be explicitly about the pandemic. If you think back to Jeffrey off the top, and the dark place he found himself in, as all his work was cancelled, well, I think it's a story we can all relate to. In this pandemic, we have all found ourselves in a place that is dark and difficult. And yet, we journey on. We find small rays of hope in our interactions, our family, maybe baking sourdough bread, <laughs> and now in a vaccine. The recital is programmed as an artistic expression of a journey from dark to light, hopelessness to hope, the hope that Michelle refers to. He had two traditional repertoire song cycles in hand, but he envisioned a new song cycle to complete the recital. And this was the commission that Jeffrey and Michelle had. We left the story with our collaborators connecting and the quest for the right poems. New ones were not coming for some reason. Remember, Jeff printed off all Michelle's poems and took them to Fergus? Ah, the inner ding strikes again. When I went through everything that you'd already done, you know, we had this idea of darkness to light, and we were thinking four poems would kind of fit the amount of time that, that we were looking at musically. As I started to print up the ones that really spoke to me, I kind of moved them around on the table. 
there emerged these four that already existed that worked so incredibly perfectly together for the for the kind of art that that we were talking about when jeffrey found the four poems and i read them and it was such a sense of relief say like, oh okay but see you never realized when you wrote those poems and they weren't necessarily about the same kind of theme that they are in the context of being in these four but um you never knew that you were in on some level writing the poetry for a song cycle and and in a way that you know the way that you describe going to the bird sanctuary and thinking about the poetry and, and kind of having me in your mind with you that's what it's like for me to set your poetry right when i'm when i'm sitting at my desk with my pencil in my hand and my manuscript paper and going back and forth to the piano and trying things um your words are with me and and you are with me because you're very much in my mind that whole time and colin is in my mind and kim is in my mind like all of the people who are going to be a part of that that's that's one of the wonderful things about um knowing who you're writing for is that you can you can picture them i'm i'm a, a very visual composer i imagine myself in the hall during the performance i know what the bauman center looks like i know what colin looks like i know what kim looks like um because i've i've met them all so i can picture myself there and i can picture myself beside michelle watching the performance of my music and and her words and how they all come together in this experience. Michelle had no experience with art song per se, nor has she had her poetry brought to life this way with a composer. This was all new to her. We've heard about Jeffrey's inner ding when he read her poems, but did she have an inner ding for him? What did she think the first time she heard his music? Well, I first heard it in my head because he'd written a piece for Musica Intima. And I own everything Musica Intima has ever recorded. So I hung up from this very long conversation. And we had many conversations that Jeffrey doesn't know anything about. I talked to him a lot. <laughs> because of the, the um, cognitive disability I live with, like following websites and figuring out, oh, oh, like, where is this music? How do I like that was that's a real challenge for me, but to be able to go to my living room where there are still CDs, <laughs> which I know how to play and to put in a CD that I was familiar with and choose his piece specifically and then go that that person because I, I knew it already. It, but had no idea that something like this form existed. I knew choral music. I'd grown up with choral music. And I attended the Lutheran Collegiate Bible Institute in Outlook, Saskatchewan for three years. You either sang when you got there or you were able to sing when you left. Like, full, but handle, <laughs> right? The Hallelujah Chorus is our school song. We sing it drunk at the motels at homecoming every September.
what's fabulous is I'm getting this in dollops because Colin has reached out and he and I are going to talk on Friday. And then I had the experience of, he probably has a website. Because <laughs> <laughs> I've been listening to the music by imagining by listening to Jeffrey's things. And so I went to um, Colin's website and sure enough, I could listen to some things. And then all of a sudden I was that much closer. It was a sense of, oh, really? Oh my. <laughs> oh, what have these two done? Like what is, and then it becomes another, I realized that the somatic experience moves on. And I, and, and I began to have the idea that I'm going to feel in my body what it is like to hear my words coming out of his body. And, and so it, it's because I can be there, it's going to be a complete circle. Michelle first shared a poem of hers with me a few months before that conversation I had with Jeff, before I played matchmaker with these two. When I read her poetry for the first time, I knew it was meant to be voiced. It cried out for expression through sound. I have heard other poets talk about um, their poetry in the context of the question, do you, do you mean for your poetry to be sound um and and i know that uh, i know poets who have said i i always intend for my poetry to be read aloud that that it is about putting the sound out it's not it's not it's not about reading it and the and the reader imagines it in their heads um so so i i don't know michelle if that's how you think of your poetry so poetry is absolutely performative absolutely performative Yes, because it is somatic. And there's also, um, I also think the poet is going to read it in a way that the only other person you could put it in the mouth of would be a trained actor uh, for them to really carry the character all the way um, through. Yeah, no, it's, it, yes, poetry is highly performative. And I'm a really performative person. I engage in other art forms that are performative. I'm a homilist because that was the easiest way to get an audience, right? And for me, writing is about creating something with words. And I, I mean, I also do um, performance storytelling through the flame. And what I'm after is to string together a number of words in a certain tone of voice that ends up leaving the people I'm speaking to having an experience, whether they want to or not. One of the sweetest compliments I ever got on my homilies was that I always had a difficult message, but delivered it so beautifully. <laughs> it's so interesting that you talk about um, an actor and being able to convey the, the character that's in your words. Um, because I think there are all kinds of aspects to poetry and acting and music. When you 
then set that to a singing voice that takes that to a whole other place and it 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 elevates the spoken word through the dramatic spoken word through the sung word and when a singer is singing and it's just it's that tube of air with the sound coming out and there's there's a magical way that that moves us in a way that is different from an actor reading or the poet reading their own work do you know what i mean um and and, and i each of those is is very valid but they are very different experiences and and that that's why sometimes um a really fantastic poem doesn't really work as a song text because it is there's it's so complete on its own that i can't imagine what could i what could i do to make that different in any way than how fantastic it already is you know so um so that's something that that i have to think about when when i'm i'm looking at at poetry um so there's that element too but you also mentioned the character and that's important to me as a as a composer of art song because to me an art song is a little opera scene that there the, the, the singer is there is a character there is a backstory there is um intention in why that singer is singing those words and why the music sounds like it is and how the music like in an opera where the orchestra is all of the subtext it's not just accompaniment it's the subtext and the contrasting emotion and everything that the singer is not actually singing um that's art song to me it's a little opera scene so character is very important and so one of the things that i start out with when i'm looking at each one of your poems is what's what's the overall character here who is this person what's what's happening and when we were talking about kind of this overall dramatic arc of darkness into light that's something that colin and i had talked about early on um because you know to kind of give give the audience something they can connect to have that we're, we've all gone through this pandemic and there is a light at the end of the tunnel and it's it's been bleak and grim and difficult but we're going to get through it um but without actually writing poetry that is about the pandemic and and one of the things that that i think about with each poem is um, beyond that, what's the character, but is there a particular image in that poem that can become the, the foundation of the, of the setting and then build out from that? So the sound of the, of the, of the water on the shore, um, the, the persistent nagging voice in your head when you're beating yourself up and blaming yourself for things, just that repetition that became the foundation of the setting for the second poem, for example. So that, that's, always, that's always part of it. And so it's wonderful when a poem has that character and it, it has those images and those feelings and that sensation because it's, it just, it kind of writes itself in a way. I mean, you kind of make the composer's job easy by having such, such vivid musical poetry to start with. I'm always fascinated by process, and I really enjoy hearing them both speak about their art form and how they approach this process for the song cycle. 
At the time of recording this interview, Colin had not yet arrived in Victoria to record the cycle, so neither of them had heard the work put together. I asked them both, as they think about this work and the premiere, what do they hope for? Here's Jeff. I kind of want, I mean, part of me, I, there's a ton of pressure on me now because knowing that Michelle's going to come and hear how this all comes together and has kind of now worked up, well, I know what Colin's voice sounds like and I'm looking at the music and I see where the long notes are and what words are getting emphasized. Um, I, I really hope that it goes okay when she hears it for real. <laughs> Because now the pressure, the pressure is on. So I'm, I, you know, I'm going to be nervous about that, um, because of course I want Michelle to love it, um, as I loved working with her words, and as I love this music, and that, that I, I love the fact that Colin's going to be singing it. I love everything about this, and so I want Michelle to, to love it as well. Because of COVID, this will not have a live audience. It will be live streamed and shared online which means neither Michelle nor Jeff will have the chance to sit in the audience and feel the audience response to the work, which is a bit of a loss. But I asked Michelle if she could be a fly on the wall and overhear an audience reaction as people sit at home and watch the song cycle and listen to the song cycle. What does she hope the audience reaction is? I think what I like is a, um, a little quiet, unvocalized oh <laughs> that would be very satisfying jeff reflected off the top the challenge that artists have faced in the pandemic but the pandemic has made some things possible that otherwise would not have been possible an opera company would not traditionally commission a song cycle it would commission an opera but these are not normal times. In closing, I ask them both about how this project, and even the pandemic, has impacted their lives as creative people. I was surprised by their answers. Here's Michelle. Well, the thing is, is 2021 is proving to be such a phenomenal year. I mean, it would be something if this was the, the one knock me over experience that I'm having but it's not <laughs> um I I have a book coming out um I'm currently you know working on a chat book I've just been invited to submit a 30-minute video reading for the art bar in Toronto anything I said would have to be in the in the context of that but really you know starting back with Jeffrey that was at a at a beginning point where it having Jeffrey express an interest and the, and visiting in his website and going oh really this person's interested in my poetry it was such a um it was so nourishing so encouraging so um, uh, fortifying that, uh, like it really fed something in me to, to have that recognition in that particular way. 
And I mean, really, it's the, the generosity of this experience that I would be invited to perform the program notes and I would be invited to contribute the photographs. Um, th just the varied ways that this project has acknowledged me. Um, I mean, if I think about it too much, I'll become tearful and that would be sappy. And certainly this experience is, has really broken me open. The other one, and I think it's taken away the anxiety about the other ones because of the way it's, it's broken me. It's given me the feeling that, no, really, Michelle, anything's possible. Anything. Now I find that, that it, it has done something for my creative energy in that I have more of it now and it kind of pours out of me now. And maybe that's in part because it was so stifled and so um, hopeless for quite a while. And now that there's hope, it's like, pour out, produce, create. This is a wonderful thing. And I, and I, and I think that that's rippling all through the arts community now. That, that things are becoming possible and there is a lot of hope and a lot of, of looking forward and a lot of good things that are happening in the meantime. I wish I could share a sample of the music and the poetry that we've been talking about, but as I record this right now, Colin Ainsworth is rehearsing it. It will be released as part of our Live at the Bauman series and you'll be able to find out everything you need to know about this on our website. Its release is April 16th at 7.30, and it will be available for a time after that on demand. So check it out, pacificopera.ca. The song cycle is called The Length of a Day. You can also learn more about both of these incredible artists on their own websites. You can search by their name, or you can find the link on our website. And finally, of course, they have provided me with a playlist for you to check out on Spotify. The playlist is inspired by the themes of the work moving from hopelessness to hope, from light to dark. You can learn more about their choices in the liner notes, and this is all on our website on the Listening Party podcast page. That's it for this month. Thanks for listening. Remember to check us out on the first Friday of every month. You'll find the latest edition of the Listening Party podcast, and I'm really looking forward to what's coming up. There'll be more artistic process on the boards. I'm going to be sharing the journey of our Civic Engagement Quartet artists. They were in residency with Pacific Opera in February and March, and they received training with Indigenous teachers and guides to learn more about Indigenous worldview and land, and they're going to bring all of that together in an audio project combining music and the natural world. So we'll be hearing all about their process, their journey, and eventually the sharing of their audio project. But until that time, take care, be safe. I'm Rebecca Haas for Pacific Opera and the Listening Party Podcast. Bye for now.